On today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, Trent and Biz back together. Jace, he was at Kids Day. We'll get his thoughts. Fall camp is underway, going strong. We'll talk a lot of football today. Brian Ferentz, a motion for summary. What does that mean? Well, the good news is JC's a lawyer. He can help us out. And we make some picks. It's time for Degenerate Life here on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back once again to the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Trent Condon, biz with me here today. Jace, good to catch up with you once again. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. So, Jace, it's been a couple of weeks since we got together. I took a trip to Las Vegas, and here we are now uh, 12 days later, and I'm still struggling. Getting old sucks. Well, uh, we, like we said before we got in the air, we used to go to Vegas quite a bit together, and it used to take two days to recover. Now, apparently, it takes you two weeks. So, it is I'm, a struggle. I'm assuming since you're here, that means you didn't you didn't uh, win win big. No, no, I entered in a couple of the contests. So, if I become a millionaire, win the six million dollar prize for Circus Survivor, yeah, I don't know if you and me are going to be hanging out on podcast spaces anymore. The likelihood of that happening, though, not real high. Yeah, I'm guessing there's uh, some algorithms out there that, that uh, you're going to be battling against. To, 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 good luck with that. Yes, well, we're going to get into some picks ourselves coming up this week. We'll try to make a little money uh, here this season. Week zero upon us, we get Nebraska Northwestern. Illinois also in action as they take on Wyoming. So we got a pick for you later on in the program. But before we get into that uh, biz, I was in Las Vegas when Kids Day was going on. So wanted to get your perspective. You made your way over to Kinnick Stadium here a couple of weeks back. What you saw, what you thought, uh, takeaways from Kids Day. You know, as far as kids' days go, it was actually a little more, uh, I would say, optimistic than most. The offense actually held their own against our defense, and and we, uh, I'd say there are definitely more positives than negatives to take away from kids' day. So uh, we'll start with the positives. Uh, Obviously, the kickers, I assume you saw, they were phenomenal. I mean, you really could not have asked for a better effort out of both kickers. And, you know, sometimes with Iowa kickers, they may go eight for eight, but uh, it's not the prettiest eight for eight, but both of them, they really have, you know, in the past, I always kind of split duties and have, you know, one be the, one be the, uh, you know, field goal specialist and one be a, a kickoff specialist. I think both of them could probably cover both areas. They both have strong legs. They both did a really nice job with, with elevation and, and, you know, I, I'd be interested to see what they do if, if Stevens or Blum, if they split it up somehow or if they give it to one and let them run with it. Cause they both, they both looked fully capable that day at least. And there was, I mean, it wasn't like gale force wind, but it was probably a 10 to 15 mile an hour wind that day too. So a little breeze out there. The biggest thing that you wondered about too, is I saw both of them hit 53 yarders, but you wonder about trajectory. And, and from the reports that I saw that appeared to be good too. It's not like, you know, there was no rush and they just had to drill, you know, a long line drive to get in there from 53 it looks like they also can get the height on the ball you need. Yeah, and they both, I mean, these weren't 53 yarders that, you know, grazed the crossbar either. They both would have been good from from 58 to 60. Not not saying yeah. they're going to make 60-yard field goals, but they, they certainly have the uh, 
ability to at least go to that distance. If, if they're not Zach Brommer, let's put it that way. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the old walk on the Rudy story for bags with Iowa and it did not end up uh, quite like Rudy at the end. Some of those misses in the 97 season, very frustrating. So the kickers, that's a positive and the offense sounded like a positive. We know the defense is going to be ahead of the offense. It's just the way pretty much everywhere that it is. And certainly in Iowa throughout Kirk Ferentz's 24 years, the offense though was able to what run it a little bit offensive line, even with the injuries look competent to, to put it mildly, I guess. Yeah, I, well, and Spencer Petras, you know, we've we've been critical of him when he when we need to be on here, so we'll give him I'll give him his props when when we can. He looked really good. I mean, he looked polished. He looked comfortable. He looked like a, a third year starting quarterback. But uh, will that translate over to, to seventy thousand people in, in a couple of weeks? We'll see. But uh, no, he, he looked totally in command of the offense um, and did the things you'd expect out of a, a third year starter. Um, and Padilla looked fine as well. I mean, he's, he is what he is. I mean, you watch those two back to back. I mean, the, the arm strength is, is night and day different between the two. Yeah. I mean, a pass that Petrus can just, you know, Petrus, he, he has his uh, issues, obviously, but boy, he, he has an NFL arm when it comes to being able to throw a 20 yard out. I mean, he can do it with a flick of the wrist and Padilla has to do a you know full body lean in to do that same throw. So, um, and then Joey Labus, I mean, clearly he's I mean, uh, anybody that was there, anybody that anybody that's online saying Joey Labus should be our starter, obviously wasn't at Kids Day. I mean, he's just mm-hmm. he's clearly number three. I mean, he. But having said that, he looked, you know, he showed some glimpses and certainly didn't look bad either. But he, he's certainly not anywhere as comfortable running the office offense as the other two. And, and like you said, the O line in general, you know, it was kind of slapped together. But you know, they. they they held their own, especially run blocking. You know, they, they did a nice job, opened some holes. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been to kids' days in the past where they've had to, like, basically pull the first-team defensive line because they're just destroying the O-line. That didn't happen here. I mean, they they played a decent amount of one-on-one type stuff where, you know, they're going against Campbell and, and Van Ness and all those guys, and, and, they, and they, they held their own. That's good. Yeah. I remember one of the open practices they had during a spring here in Des Moines over at Valley Stadium and they had to take Drew Watt off the field. It was just he was blowing up every single play in the offensive line, really struggled that season. So, yeah, it, it can happen. So that's a positive to take away. I guess the other side would be, well, maybe the defense isn't as far along as you want. But I, I really struggle to come up with anything they can be concerned about defensively. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't anything that really jumped out to me on the defensive side of the ball one way or the other, to be honest with you. Defense is what it is. I mean, you and I have talked about it in the past. In Phil, we trust. As long as Phil Parker is our defensive coordinator, we are going to be a good defense. Um, The question is, can we be a a great defense? I mean, that's – honestly, we're so spoiled when it comes to defense, that really is the only question. Is it going to be a a standard really good Iowa defense, or can it be a, you know – legendary great defense and they've got the pieces there that you know it could be that one of those all-time great defenses but uh you know i guess we'll see on the defensive end so uh, the biggest takeaway trent that i that i saw on kids day though um didn't really have to do with offense or defense it really had to do with recruiting um iowa prides themselves on being a developmental program but the one thing I noticed just being there in person, the last two recruiting classes, we, we've 
we've recruited some dudes. We recruit some guys that are definitely more college ready than than your your average Iowa recruit. I mean, you look across the board. You know, the 2021 class. You've got you know Bruce and John, Bruce, Arlen Bruce, Keegan Johnson, and, and you know, Connor Colby, who all played significantly last year and certainly held their own. And then you got that Cooper DeJean and, and guys like Jennings Dunker, who are just, I mean, they're freaks athletically mm-hmm. at, at their positions. And then the current class, I wrote down, there was five guys that uh, just didn't look like your average Iowa recruit coming in. Obviously, you've got, you got Wampa and Graves. You hear about mm-hmm. those two all the time. But TJ Hall, I mean, he's, I, I thought he looked really, really comfortable at the cornerback position. And then both running backs. I mean, both running backs are not your your average Iowa. You know, usually Iowa running backs take two or three years to kind of develop and and get to a point where they can contribute. I think both of them will, or at least one of them for sure, will contribute at least somewhat this year. I mean, they both – there's just across the board, those last two recruiting classes, we, we've done a better job of uh, bringing in some guys that can contribute right away. Yeah, it's it's crazy to see that running back spot, too. And those two guys that I think could add a different dimension. Caleb Johnson comes in. He's already physically put together. He's six foot, 215 pounds. I mean, he just looks like a monster. But I'm excited Jazzy on Patterson just because he's a different kind of running back. You know, a little smaller, 5'9", a little shiftiness with what they already have with both LaShawn and Gavin Williams, two guys that run it really hard. Maybe don't have that breakaway speed. Would Patterson be that guy that maybe could pop and hit that 60-yard touchdown? You know, he didn't. He didn't play. <coughs> he didn't play a ton at Kids Day, so I, I can't sit okay. here and say that. Yeah, he would. I mean, he was definitely. I thought the, the fourth option, okay, or, well, third third option at Kids Day because uh, Gavin Williams didn't play. Yep. But uh, the, the one thing I noticed about him, he I thought he looked bigger than I expected. I, I thought he was going to be Akron Wadley small. Mm-hmm. You know, when Wadley first came in, he weighed what. 165, 170. Yeah. And obviously we know the story, you know, the coaching staff obviously <laughs> wanted to gain weight and, uh, you know, that took some time. I, I think Patterson's probably a legit 190 already. Oh, wow. On the flip side of that, Caleb Johnson was probably wasn't quite as big as I thought he was going to be. Hmm. I mean, he's definitely bigger than, than Patterson, but he's not, you know, he's not like LaShawn Daniels big where he's, I mean, he, he's small enough that he's still pretty, he's got some, some shiftiness to him a little bit too. I mean, the difference between the two of them wasn't as pronounced as I thought it would be. I'd say Caleb Johnson probably weighs 210 and Patterson probably weighs 190. So, I mean, they're not – it's not the difference between, like I said, Akram Wadley and LaShawn Daniels where you're talking about 240 and 165. Gotcha. Makes sense. Final thing, and this away from kids' day, but to the wide receiver position. It becomes certainly a big, big question mark. We hear about now a foot injury to Rico Nagani, Nico Regani. You have Keegan Johnson. He was back on the practice field, at least according to a picture. How back is he? We still don't officially know there. That wide receiver spot, we knew it was dangerously thin coming into the year, and it sounds like it's even worse here as we sit on August 25th. Yeah, and honestly, I marked down, Trent, that was my only negative to talk about from Kids Day because you know, I just talked about the recruiting classes and how we are uh, have brought in some, some college-ready guys. I mean, just the eye test, looking at our wide receivers, boy, they don't exactly pass the eye test from a physical standpoint. You know, Keegan Johnson didn't play that day. But, uh, you know, you've got a lot of six-foot or, or smaller wide receivers, and none of them are, uh, you know, 
none of them are proven at this point outside of Bruce was the only one that day that, that really had any experience and, you know, his experience is pretty limited. So, yeah, I mean, it's a razor thin at this point. I, I hope Reganey's injury is minor. I hope Keegan Johnson's back because they're going to need all hands on deck. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, Spencer Petras can, can take a huge leap forward, but he, if he doesn't have anybody to throw the football to, you know, that, that's hard. I mean, yeah. you saw a few years, you know, that C.J. Bessard year, when we had nobody to throw the ball to, CJ Beth was a really good quarterback, but you can't you can't magically uh can't magically force people to get open, and uh, yeah, that's going to be it, it. Certainly was the number one concern I saw ten days ago, and I don't think that's changed in the last ten days. Well, Biz, uh, we go from that Kids Day thoughts and fall camp thoughts to Brian Ferentz asking for a motion for summary judgment. I have no idea what that means. Luckily for all of our listeners and viewers. You were a lawyer. When we come back, we'll figure out exactly what that means. Biz is going to fill us in. It's a Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. It can happen so easily. You're out with your friends or a few coworkers. Put it back a few drinks. A few becomes too many. It's time to go in for a moment. You think, I'm calling for a ride. Nah, you're a good driver. You live nearby. You have all the excuses. You can make it home okay. What are the odds you get pulled over? Even so, what's the worst that can happen? Lose your license, your job, total your car, could be even worse than that. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. Drive sober or get pulled over. Trent Cotton, Jace Bisgard back with you. It's the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. All right, Biz, so we uh, went into that talking a little bit about, of course, the lawyer side of your world. So you got to spill us in. Brian Ferentz asking, what is this? A motion for summary judgment. I have no clue. Fill us in. Yeah, this is unfortunately Trent. This is this is right in my wheelhouse. This is what I do for a, a real job. So <laughs> is, is do litigation work. So yeah. First off, I don't know if you what you paid attention to or didn't pay attention to yesterday, but uh, you know Scott Docterman, I think was the first one to just tweeted out that that this motion for summary judgment had been filed, and his attorney. Um, the main attorney that filed it is somebody I know really well. He's a very good, very experienced um, litigator. And his office is actually directly upstairs from mine. Um, And he's somebody that that certainly knows his way around the courtroom and knows his way around filing a motion for summary judgment. So if you take the time to read the the 65 page motion or the the 500 pages of uh, documents that were attached to it, I mean, you come away thinking, boy, Brian Ferentz did nothing wrong here. And, and that's, you know, that's what the point of a motion for summary judgment is. You know, basically what it is, is their argument that Brian Ferentz should be dismissed from the case and a judge should rule on it and, and dismiss the case because there's no merit for it. Um, the standard is, is if, if there's no genuine dispute about any of the material facts, then a judge can rule and kick out either part of the case or all of the case. Um, but what, what's going to happen here, Trent, is in the next couple of weeks, you're going to get to hear the other side of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the other side is going to file a resistance to this motion. The resistance, I'm sure, is going to be 50 plus pages long and probably have, you know, hundreds of pages of documents attached to the other side. But, uh, you know, it, the likelihood that this motion gets gets granted in its entirety is, is probably slim to none. Motion or summary judgment 
in general, judges are, are somewhat hesitant to to grant them, especially in cases like this, because generally there is some dispute of um, material facts that the other side can at least make a legit argument that, that it should go to a jury. And that's that's all this is saying. If it, if it gets you know, if it if it gets granted, then the case is, is, is gone. Uh, but if it, it denied, all that means is that the case continues to move forward and okay. it gets it'll, it'll likely get to a jury. But the thing that just blows my mind, Trent, I always have to get up and walk around the room and calm myself down a little bit because, uh, you know, when these things get posted, you know, by, by Scott Dockerman or other people online, I, I kick myself for reading the comments and it, and it always, uh, it always just makes me realize a, that, uh, very few Iowa fans are lawyers and don't understand what they're, what they're looking at and b very, very few Iowa fans are, uh, unbiased in this situation. And boy, the amount of people I saw, you know, that, that immediately jumped to boy, you know, Rob Howe and Pat Hardy, O'Brien Ferentz, an apology and those types of things. <laughs> you know, I just, man, it, there are times when I, uh, I, again, I immediately kick myself for going to the comments because it does not give me a very favorable impression of the uh, the Iowa fans that, that that comment on these things online. So, so there's your quick rundown of, of what's happening. But uh, again, the motion is very well done. His attorneys know what they're doing. That they're, uh, you know, is there a possibility that part of the case might get kicked out? Yeah, I think part of it will. But yeah, I think the likelihood that Brian Ferris gets 100 percent dismissed from the case is probably slim to none. So the likelihood is it's not going to be dismissed on, on the Brian Ferentz side of things. We'll get the other side then, the, the people that are coming to to with uh, the documents that they're going to have. Ultimately, does this get to trial or is the end game probably going to be some kind of settlement before it gets to court? Boy, I, I, I sure hope it doesn't go to trial. I mean, this is the type of case that to me just screams a, a settlement with a non-disclosure agreement involved with it, where my guess is once the motions get get ruled upon, at some point, you know, at some point, probably after the football season concludes, you're going to get a uh, a generic headline of, of cases settled, and it's kind of, the terms of the settlement are confidential. But uh, yeah. You know, there's just, I mean, to me, there's way too much at stake on both sides to take this to trial. I mean, it would be, regardless, if, even if Iowa wins at trial and they get a full, you know, full defense verdict for, for everybody, Iowa loses because yeah. all, their, all their dirty laundry just got aired in court. And, you know, but I probably would have said the same thing with the uh, lawsuit involving the old, uh, the female coaches also and Iowa was dumb enough to take that to trial also. And we saw what happened there. So, um, but I will say that they've, they've brought in some different counsel to be involved in this case. And like I said, I know the counsel they have involved. Uh, I think that he may probably have some different advice for them when it comes to uh, trying to get this case resolved. Well, if you want more, uh, Jace can help you out on Twitter at Jace Hawk. And if you have any lawyer questions, he could help you out there trying to sift through this because this is, as you know, well, well above my head. Good stuff, though, Biz. And I think you put it very succinctly and kind of understanding exactly what this means for us people that are not lawyers and have no clue. Luckily, uh, a whole lot inside the courtroom. Well, if, you, if you've got uh, three, four or five hours to burn, Trent, it really is an interesting. It is an interesting because yeah. they've attached, you know, the appendix, they attach all the documents that they address in the motion 
And so they include deposit portions of the deposition transcripts from all nine or 10 athletes that are suing. And, and it's an interesting read. So if you're, if you're painfully bored some night, and your kids go to bed <laughs> early, uh, at least skim through the deposition transcripts because uh, it's interesting. But right. again, they also cherry pick the port parts of the deposition that were good for them. So, you know, you're only getting half the story at this point. No, that makes a whole lot of sense. All right, Biz, uh, let's finish up as we talk about week zero. It is upon us. Football is finally here. Of course, no preseason in college football. We just jump right into it. Week zero picks, and we got a couple of Big Ten games, including an all-Big Ten tilt. The first game, it'll kick off Nebraska against Northwestern. The Cornhuskers, favored by 13.5 over-under in the game, sits at 50.5. We get Illinois then at 3 o'clock little bit later in the afternoon, heading to Dublin. And boy, Scott Frost, he can't lose this game, can he? Yeah. It, it, yes, he can. Scott Frost can lose any game, Trent. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that, he is the, the gift that just keeps on giving. His uh, moronic comment about the uh, 15 to 20 linemen throwing up each oh. game. Like, what? He is. Parts of me hope that Nebraska goes seven and five this year because the longer he stays there, the better it is for Iowa football. Cause I just don't see him. They've got some talent. They're going to win some games this year. Their schedule is easier. I mean, they're certainly not going to go three and nine again. So, right. you know, it would not break my heart to see them, you know, go six and six or seven and five or something like that and, and get everybody pretending that he's turning the corner because I, I just, I don't see it. I mean, and, and I, you, know, you and I have talked about it before when they hired him. I thought he was an absolute home run hire. I thought he was going to be, you know, get them into national relevance again. And just the the parallels, the similarities between him and Steve Alford just never quit. I mean, he just can't stop from making stupid comments. And <laughs> at some point, you realize that's not by accident. Maybe he's just not the sharpest knife in the drawer. So, 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 he, so can, he, about can he lose? Absolutely. Nebraska at this point, if we've learned anything, Nebraska can lose any game, anywhere, anytime. So uh, going to Ireland, I'm sure they can they can lose over there as well. Are Will we going to hear you that's another question? Talking about December situations, if they make a bowl game, like March situations for uh, Steve Alford. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the problem here, or I guess the, the thing here is Northwestern was just so god oh, yeah. awful. I mean, you go back and look, they lost by 33 to Illinois to end the year last year. I mean, they just were getting stomped by teams at the end of the year. But, uh, but Trent, it, it's an even year, which means uh, right. Northwestern's probably going to go, uh, you know, seven and two and, and win the or seven and two in the West and uh, somehow win it. So, uh, in order to do that, they probably got to go win on Saturday. Well, we got a, a couple of odds I want to throw at you. First of all, division odds. This comes from FanDuel as they have it broken down by division. All right, this is where it currently is in the Big Ten West. I'll give you a $100 free play at the Connick Casino. Where would you fire at? Wisconsin, the betting favorite, plus 170. Nebraska is the second choice, 7 to 2, plus 350. Iowa at 4 to 1. Minnesota, 5 to 1. Purdue, 6 to 1. The Illini are 30 to 1. And then Pat's Cats, Northwestern, 100 to 1. $100 free bet, what are you throwing it on? Oh, with those odds, probably Minnesota or Purdue. Um, That's what I thought, yeah. yeah I mean, I'm Minnesota. I, I, don't love, I don't love any of them, to be honest. You know, but I think when you're looking at those odds, I think Minnesota or Purdue probably have 
as good a chance of, of anybody outside of Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin's clearly the favorite, but I think you kind of lump Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, Purdue all in, in, in the same category where if things break right and, and they have things go their way, they all could win the West this year. I mean, no, who's you're not going to be shocked if Purdue wins it or Minnesota wins it. So since they've got the highest odds, give, give me, I guess, give me Purdue, Trent. I mean, they're the, uh, the highest odds of the five, right? You get Purdue. There you go. And it'd be 600 bucks uh, if you'd hit at the Conda Casino. We'll put that down uh, for a preseason bet for you. One other one. So you look at the Big Ten odds as a whole. Obviously, Ohio State's a big betting favorite. They're basically minus 200 everywhere. Do you think there's value? I'm betting the Buckeyes right now. Look, whoever they play against the West in the championship game, they're going to be a huge favorite in there. Do you see any value betting the Buckeyes at that huge price, which I normally wouldn't do, but... I've thought about it. In fact, uh, well, last night I did make a wager. Ohio State minus 200 to win the Big Ten. Do you see any value there? Value, no. I mean, I see where you're coming from in betting it. But that's, I mean, you know, college football is entering such a weird frontier right now. I could see some of those teams, the Ohio States and not Alabama, Nick Saban's kind of – bulletproof when it comes to these things, but I, I can see teams like Clemson or Georgia or Ohio state. Some of those teams I could see imploding this year, because if things start to go wrong, let's say Ohio state loses in Notre Dame week one, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you got a bunch of guys that are making a whole bunch of money that may not be playing. And, you know, you got booster. I mean, it's, you know, I think you're going to see more chaos when it comes to teams that you thought were going to be good. And if things don't go well, they just implode midway through the year. So do I think that's going to happen with Ohio State? No, but I'm not, I'm not sold on Ryan Day as this great, you know, week in, week out manager of a team. And, and you know, I, I think if they can make it, if they win the big, if they win the big 10, are they going to be, beat the team out of the big 10 West? Yeah, probably. But, mm-hmm. you know, Michigan state, Penn state, Michigan, all those teams are good enough. They could certainly beat Ohio state on a down day. And, and even, even us, we we go there. We after bye week, you know, there's a chance. So yeah, you add those up plus Notre Dame. There's five potential losses in there. So so I guess that's my long winded way of saying no, Trent. I don't see value there. At minus two hundred, yeah. I, terrible, I, terrible I, bet by you. Ohio State's gonna go seven and five. Well, I've I've made plenty of terrible bets as you know throughout the years. I just uh, went down the rabbit hole. Well, more than anything, yesterday I wanted to bet over on Illinois. They were four and a half. I think they're going to be a five win team at minimum again this year. Obviously, since they play Saturday, I knew I had to get that in. And then I look at my Circa app, and I'd made uh, about a dozen bets last night in the future market. So <laughs> I got a problem, as you know. I got just a little bit of a problem. You got a problem too. You got a week one, a week zero, excuse me, bet for us this week. Well, it's funny because you you just mentioned the team I was going to bet on until I started digging around a little bit. I, I really liked Illinois at minus 10 or 10 and a half or whatever mm-hmm. it was at. But then I did some looking and uh, I didn't realize Illinois has got a decent amount of starters coming back. But as far as like offensive production, I think they're like 115th or 120th in the nation. They, they've got to fill a lot of spots. Why, Wyoming's in the same boat. Wyoming's only got like eight or nine starters coming back yeah. also. But uh you know, I, that was my initial thought was I like Illinois, but then I just decided to go back to the uh, the standard of uh, uh, give me Northwestern 13 and a half. <laughs> it's just a straight homer pick this early in the year, but a uh, couple reasons. One, 
I saw Northwestern's one of like three teams in the Big Ten that has both their coordinators back, and, and you know they've got for better or for worse, they've got a lot of starters back and a lot of consistency back. Is that going to make Northwestern a good team this year? No, but I think it probably makes them a decent team in week one. They've got a lot of consistency and a lot of, uh, you know, they know what they're doing. On the flip side, Nebraska's got, what, 12 different transfers they're trying to squeeze in. And, you know, I, I just, knowing Nebraska, they'll, they'll find a way to uh, stumble around and make this a close game. So, so if you're going to give me a, Pat Fitzgerald and getting almost two touchdowns early in the year. Uh, Northwestern, uh, last year excluded, Northwestern usually finds a way to to ugly up these games and keep them close. So uh, it's an even year. Give me give me the Mildcats and plus 13 and a half. 13 and a half. Well, I'm also going to take points with my uh, week one pick. We're going to go to Las Cruces. So you got uh, New Mexico State down there against Nevada. Since Nevada's on the schedule, we've uh, I've taken a little look at them. They're going to be brutal. A lot of people think they might be one of the worst teams. Well, every year, New Mexico State is one of the worst teams in college football. But they got Jerry Kill. Jerry Kill is now the head coach really? there. Yeah, and that's enough for me. That's all I need. I have I need nothing else. I'm getting more than a touchdown at home. You don't just walk into Memorial Stadium down there in Las Cruces and get a win. Give me the Aggies plus eight and a half against Nevada. You have any odds on whether Jerry Kill survives the season? Well, doesn't that guy like beat death like three times? And he just oh keeps yeah. Going back? Yeah, he'll he'll be out there. He always finds a way. He always finds a way, and he's good against the spread. So a lot of Jerry Kill love here early in the season. That's what week zero is for, guys like that. Well, I think I've told you before, I'm neighbors like three houses down from uh, Kelton Copeland. And uh, Kelton doesn't talk a, a ton about, you know, certainly about Iowa football and so that, and I don't ask. But the, the one guy that he will talk about and absolutely loves is Jerry Kill. Oh, yeah? Jerry Kill is kind of his mentor. I think he uh, – Went up, you know, Northern Illinois, and, and I think Jerry Kill was involved when he was in junior college way back in the day. So uh, I, I know he's got a big fan of my neighbor. That's great. That's awesome. Well, Biz, we got our pick in for week zero. We'll be back next week with week one picks. It'll be game week next week. Are you ready? Yeah, more than ready. It's uh, it's time, Trent. It's been a, you know, it feels weird that you know, the last couple of years, for whatever reason, with COVID things and other things going on, you know, you just, you know, you're never, you're never really even sure what's going to happen with the season, whether all the games are going to happen. You know, this, this year, it feels like there's some normalcy back as far as at least knowing, uh, Hey, we're going to, we're going to play 12 games and uh, hopefully win uh, 70% of them at least. So. <laughs> uh, back to Iowa football. Good stuff. Biz, we'll do it again next week. Thanks for your time. All right. Go Hawks.